We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. And away we go, episode 214 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Friday, December 24th, 2021. It is, yes, Christmas Eve 2021. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making his list. He's checking it twice. The list is the list of players in Washington, D.C. sports currently out due to COVID-19 protocols. But still, it is a list. Uh, It is quite the list regarding players on the Washington football team, the Capitals, and the Wizards. But anyway, Merry Christmas to those who celebrated. And hello and welcome to a special Christmas Eve installment of the Al Galdi podcast, a special Christmas Eve and Washington football team pregame show installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Yes, I am here for you with a show for Christmas Eve. It is nice to be with you. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. In-depth preview of the 6-8 and eight Washington football team's game at the 10-4 and four and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. This Sunday night at 8.20 is forthcoming next segment. The very latest on Washington player availability for the game. We got excellent news on Thursday morning as Washington activated Taylor Heineke off the reserve COVID-19 list. Yes, Tay-Tay is back and we'll start on Sunday night. Although Tay-Tay struggled with COVID-19. You'll hear him talk about his experience with COVID-19. I'll also get into a variety of other items for Washington for this game at the Cowboys, including the latest in a linebacker situation for Washington that is rather sketchy, uh, and also the possibility that Kendall Fuller could be off the reserve COVID-19 list in time for Sunday night's game 
at the Cowboys. Kendall being back would be great. You're going to be hearing the best of Ron Rivera's Zoom press conference on Thursday afternoon. I have a special guest for you, Cowboys insider David Hellman of DallasCowboys.com. He'll tell us all that we need to know about the Cowboys. He'll also tell us what it is like working for a team website for a team owned by Jerry Jones. Uh, I found this interesting. Uh, I also have for you my rhyming keys for a Washington win at Dallas in my prediction for the game. Uh, And by the way, the rhyming keys are a special installment of rhyming keys. They are Christmas-themed rhyming keys. Uh, Now, as you likely know by now, the rhymes, they are not good, but these rhymes at least have a little bit of Christmas flair to them. Uh, Also on the show, how about our Wizards on Thursday night? The Wizards played for the first time since their win at the Utah Jazz this past Saturday night due to the Wizards game at the Brooklyn Nets for this past Tuesday night being postponed due to the Nets COVID-19 situation. The Wizards on Thursday night were without Bradley Beal and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope due to them having entered the NBA's health and safety protocols. And yet the Wizards won at the New York Knicks, 124-117. The Wizards were outstanding offensively, and the Wizards improved to 4-0 without Bradley Beal this season. Yeah, the Wizards are 4-0 without Beal this season, and Spencer Dinwiddie on Thursday night, perhaps not so coincidentally, had his best game in weeks. Trust me, we're going to talk about all of this. Also on Thursday night, by the way, was the Tennessee Titans defeating the San Francisco 49ers 2017 on Thursday night football on a Randy Bullock 44-yard field goal with four seconds left in the fourth quarter. The 49ers losing clinched a playoff spot for the Cowboys, although they haven't just yet clinched the NFC East. Uh, So I would not be expecting Dallas to like rest its starters for Sunday night against Washington or anything like that. The 49ers losing on Thursday night football also was good news for the Washington football team. The 49ers fell to eight and seven. Now look, nothing else matters if Washington doesn't win but that was good on Thursday night. The NFC wildcard contending Niners losing as they did. I mentioned the Titans kicker, Randy Bullock. Uh, Washington on Thursday, per the NFL's transaction wire, did designate kicker Joey Sly to return off the reserve injured list. Uh, he has been on that since November 30th due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the win over the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football in Week 12. So it's not a certainty that Joey Sly will be back to being Washington's kicker for Sunday night at the Cowboys, but this is a possibility. So we'll see if the Brian Johnson era is in fact over uh, for Washington. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tweet from Rhino of Jonathan Allen on Wednesday night, becoming the first Washington defensive tackle ever to be named a Pro Bowl starter. Uh, Writes Rhino, pod fodder. Jonathan Allen is the best Washington defensive tackle since dot, dot, dot. Who? Question mark. Dave Butts? Question mark. Yeah, so I was thinking about that. I would say that Jonathan Allen is the best Washington defensive tackle, the best Washington interior defensive lineman since at least Cornelius Griffin. Cornelius Griffin had some good seasons for Washington. He played for Washington from 2004 through 2009. Cornelius Griffin in the 2004 regular season led the NFL with 21 tackles for loss. But personally, I would take Jonathan Allen over 
Cornelius Griffin. So I do think that puts us as saying that Jonathan Allen is Washington's best interior defensive lineman since Dave Butts, who played for Washington for a long time, 1976 through 1988. Dave Butts was a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame's NFL 1980s All-Decade team. Uh, Another guy to consider in all of this is Daryl World Grant. He played for Washington from 1981 through 1990. But yeah, there aren't many Washington interior defensive linemen over the last, say, 40 years as good as Jonathan Allen. Email from Rob. Merry Christmas. Hope the football team will spank Dallas for our present. Hope your son gets lawnmowers and leaf blowers. Well, thank you for that, Rob. Merry Christmas to you and everyone else who celebrates Christmas. I hope that my son is willing to actually use real lawnmowers and leaf blowers years from now when he's old enough to use real lawnmowers and leaf blowers because Dada's going to be passing that torch to him at some point, whether he wants the torch or not. Trust me, this will not be a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers situation. I'm going to gladly pass this torch. Uh, Email from Philip C. on the benches. (laughs) The Washington football team bringing its own benches. For the team sideline for the loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on Tuesday night, Mitch Tischler of NBC Sports Washington, friend of the podcast, he on Tuesday morning tweeted that Washington had reached out to Dragon Seats, a Cleveland-based sports bench company, and that Washington would be using its own Dragon Seats benches for the team's remaining three road games in this 2021 regular season. I talked about all of this on Wednesday's show, episode 212, and said that while there's nothing wrong with Washington doing this with the benches, this was a total copycat move of what the Cowboys did for their win at Washington in week 14. And this copycat move, in my opinion, was fueled in part by Dan Snyder wanting to be like Jerry Jones. Dan has looked up to Jerry for years. Trust me on that. Uh, And so writes Philip C., I completely agree with you that this is the work of our pitiful little owner, but I disagree with the motive. I don't think this is a reflection of his desire to emulate Jera. Instead, I think it's a petty move intended to antagonize the NFC East. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo, we can bring our benches too. Remember, this is the guy who demanded a congratulatory text seven months post in a lawsuit. Uh, yes, Philip. Danny did do that. Uh, he did that of Bruce Allen, requested legally that Brucey send Danny a text congratulating Danny on the hiring of Ron Rivera. You can't make this stuff up. I just want to know this. If you have heard Ron Rivera discuss this whole benches thing, it almost sounds like Ron didn't know about the benches. I wonder about that. Did Ron even know that Danny was doing this thing? with the benches. We'd love to know the answer to that. Well, I mentioned Jerry Jones. You know, there's a belief that Jera has undergone plastic surgery. Uh, Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't. Who knows? Uh, Not sure if that plastic surgery is something of Jera that the Danny will be emulating, like Danny emulated the benches. But I do know that the health of your skin matters. And if you have questions, concerns, or issues with your skin, always know that a great fan of the Washington football team and a big supporter of this podcast, Dr. George Verghese of the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland is there for you. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He is what we like to call elite 
and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. The institute focuses on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer treatments for conditions such as acne, psoriasis, and eczema. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer state-of-the-art services such as Botox, laser hair removal, and chemical peels. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer advanced treatments for many skin cancers. Heck, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings. To find out more, call 301 396 3401. Make sure you tell them that Al Galdi sent you. That phone number again, 301-396-3401. Or visit MidAtlanticSkin.com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Well, ready or not, the Washington football team on Sunday night will play a game again. Uh, We'll play a game for a second time in six days. You know, this actually isn't that ridiculous. The turnaround from playing Sunday to Thursday is worse than the turnaround from playing Tuesday to Sunday. Playing on a Sunday and then the following Thursday is two games over five days. Playing on a Tuesday and then the following Sunday is is two games over six days. And of course, NFL teams play on a Sunday and then play again the following Thursday quite often in this modern NFL. But when you're dealing with a COVID-19 outbreak and a bunch of injuries, playing on a Tuesday and then the following Sunday probably feels like playing three games in two days. The 6-8 and eight Washington football team will be at the 10-4 and four and NFC East leading Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football. This Sunday night, at 8:20 in a week 16 game that is a rematch of a week 14 game what was a 27-20 Washington loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field which yes was taken over was annexed by Cowboys fans now for all of the angst over Washington in primetime games in recent years Sunday night football actually hasn't been so bad for Washington uh last season the 2020 season week 17 Washington clinched the NFC East with a 2014 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Uh, Washington's previous game on Sunday Night Football was in the 2017 season. Week 3, Washington ripped the Oakland Raiders 27-10 at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football. Jack Del Rio was the Raiders head coach at the time. The 2016 season, Week 11, Washington routed the Green Bay Packers 42-24 at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football. That was the famous Kirk Cousins, How You Like Me Now game. How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Yes, Kirk, we remember. Uh, The 2012 season, Week 17, Washington clinched the NFC East with the glorious 28-18 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football on what is, to me, the greatest night in FedEx Field history. 2010 season, week one, Washington began the Mike Shanahan era with a 13-7 win over the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field on Sunday Night Football. Uh, Monday Night Football games, especially Monday Night games at FedEx Field, have that been kind to Washington in the Dan Snyder era, in the era of the Danny 
Uh, although Washington, right, did beat the Seattle Seahawks at FedEx Field on Monday Night Football in Week 12 of this season. But Sunday Night Football actually hasn't been that bad for Washington. So we, on Thursday, got great news in the Washington football team's COVID-19 outbreak. Washington, on Thursday morning, activated Taylor Heineke off the reserve COVID-19 list. Thank goodness for that. A Christmas gift from the football gods for the Washington football team. Hey, the gods owed us something off this COVID-19 outbreak taking place. Heineke ended up being on the reserve COVID-19 list from last Friday morning, December 17th, to Thursday morning, December 23rd. You really can't predict how long guys will be out due to COVID protocols. Kyle Allen remains on the reserve COVID-19 list. He has been on it since Wednesday afternoon, December 15th. Kyle Allen went on the reserve COVID-19 list two days prior to Taylor Heineke going on the reserve COVID-19 list, and yet Heineke came off the list on Thursday morning. Allen remains on the list, but at least we know that Taylor Heineke will be Washington's starting quarterback for Sunday night at the Cowboys. All due respect to Garrett Gilbert. All due respect to Double G. Uh, He and the loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on Tuesday night did a respectable job. I think we all would agree on that, given that Washington had just signed the guy off the New England Patriots practice squad last Friday morning as the corresponding roster move to placing Taylor Heineke on the reserve COVID-19 list, but it is very nice to have Taylor Heineke back. So what to expect from Taylor Heineke on Sunday night at the Cowboys? Well, personally, I think that he's going to play well, but there are two things working against that. Number one, he did not play well at all in Washington's loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in week 14. Number two, Heineke did struggle with COVID-19. Heineke on Thursday afternoon did a Zoom press conference, and he admitted that he was symptomatic during his time with COVID-19. This was Heineke on his last week. It sucked. I mean, you know, I felt fine throughout last week, and then we, you know, I tested Thursday afternoon after practice positive, and, um, you know, I felt fine the first couple of days, and then the symptoms really started coming in, and, um, you know, it, it, it sucked there for a little bit, but... I'm happy to be back now. Um, that's never fun sitting at home and watching, you know, all your guys go out and play a game and you can't do anything about it or help them or anything. It's kind of a helpless feeling, but, you know, I'm just happy to be back now. Jeez. All right. Uh, what symptoms did Taylor Heineke experience? I had a scratchy throat, runny nose for a little bit, and then I started getting body aches. Um, and I started trying to do some laundry and, you know, I put all the dry clothes in my little hamper bin and walked to my living room and those 20 steps, I was out of breath, um, you know, you know, headaches and stuff like that. But, you know, finally it went away yesterday. So again, just happy to be back. Wow. So Taylor Heineke had some issues with COVID-19. He has said that he is vaccinated for COVID-19, by the way. So hopefully Heineke is physically fine on Sunday night. Hopefully there are no lingering issues in terms of, you know, achiness or fatigue and Hopefully, he's in football shape. I tell you, it's amazing with COVID-19. The overwhelming majority of healthy people who get COVID-19 do just fine with COVID-19 in terms of avoiding serious illness. COVID-19 really is a thing to fear for people who are elderly and who have pre-existing conditions. And even then, it's not like COVID-19 is a death sentence. But you have some healthy people who get COVID-19 and feel nothing. And you have other healthy people who get COVID-19 and have problems. Taylor Heineke 
had some problems. Uh, for those of you who are Capitals fans, or at least follow the Caps, Evgeny Kuznetsov and Ilya Samsonov have had problems during bouts with COVID-19. Heck, Kuzi can't quit COVID-19. Kuzi is the world's most experienced person with COVID-19. He has had COVID at least twice, and he recently <laughs> went back into the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. So Kuzi may have achieved the COVID-19 hat trick, the COVID hattie. Uh, we don't know. Uh, I hope that Kuzi's doing well. Heck, Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves was bedridden with COVID-19. And then, by the way, he won the National League MVP award for the 2020 season. So you just don't know. Uh, let us hope that Taylor Heineke is back to 100%, if not now, then by Sunday night. This was Ron Rivera on Thursday afternoon in a Zoom press conference on how Heineke looked on Thursday. He looked good. He really did. He came out uh, throwing the ball well. Movement was good. Um, he seemed on top of everything, so it was good to see him back out there. Okay, right on Thursday on the importance of Taylor Heineke being back to practicing. Well, I think it's always good to have guys out on the field practicing and get a chance to work out because, you know, if there's little detail things that need to be worked out, you, you can. Um, but it was good to see him. You know, the, the guys obviously gravitated towards him, you know, when he was back in the huddle, so it was good to see. Yes, it was. Uh, by the way, Washington on Thursday morning released quarterback Jordan Tamu from the practice squad. Washington had signed Tamu to the practice squad on Wednesday afternoon, December 15th, as a corresponding roster move to placing Kyle Allen on the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington, because it signed Garrett Gilbert off the New England Patriots practice squad, must keep him on the active roster for at least three weeks. When you sign a player off another team's practice squad to your active roster, you have to keep that player on your active roster for at least three weeks. Speaking of Garrett Gilbert, uh, this was Taylor Heineke on Thursday afternoon on watching Gilbert do as he did in the loss at the Eagles. Yeah, watched it Tuesday. And um, again, it's it's tough. Uh, you know, you've battled with these guys throughout the whole year and, you know, you want to be with them and it's a huge, crucial game. And, you know, you just felt helpless. and it, 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 you, you don't like feeling like that. And I know a lot of guys felt the same way. You know, that weren't playing. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it was out of, out of my control. And, um, you know, I just try to get better as quickly as possible. But, um, you know, watching the game, I thought, you know, I thought Garrett came in and did a good job. I watched the film on it. And, again, you know, he was put in a really tough spot. You know, I got two or three days to prepare. And I haven't thrown to these guys ever. Um, so I thought he went out there and, and did a, 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 pretty, a pretty good job for, for the circumstances. Yeah. Now, was Heineke screaming at the TV while watching Garrett Gilbert quarterback Washington in the loss at the Eagles on Tuesday night? No, I'm not. You know, when I'm watching ball, I, uh, I'm, the, the thing I was trying to do was trying to figure out what play we were running because I still had the, the game plan. I had my binder open in front of me. I was kind of looking at the formations, the, the motions, and seeing what we were about to run and what their defense was running. So um, kind of trying to help uh, Garrett from my house, you know, talking to the TV, but you know, I'm not, I don't get over, over crazy. All right. Also on Thursday morning was Washington activating two other players off the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington on Thursday morning activated linebacker and special teams ace David Mayo and practice squad tight end Tameric Hemingway off the reserve COVID-19 list. Each guy had been audited since December 13th. Also Washington on Thursday afternoon activated safety and special teams ace Derek Forrest off the reserve COVID-19 list. He had been on it since December 15th. But back to David Mayo, he could end up playing a lot on Sunday night 
at the Cowboys because Washington could be rather depleted at linebacker come Sunday night. Washington, remember, on Wednesday afternoon, plays Cole Holcomb on the reserve COVID-19 list, so he may well be out. Jamin Davis is dealing with a shoulder injury, although good news with him, he on Thursday was estimated to have been a full participant in practice off on Wednesday, having been estimated to have been a limited participant in practice. Washington has not been conducting full-fledged practices this week. Uh, Also, you have Kalik Hudson on the reserve injured list of him having recently been on the reserve COVID-19 list. Washington's top linebackers on Sunday night could be David Mayo and Jordan Karashik. And notice that I did not include Landon Collins because Landon does not like being called a linebacker. Uh, He does not like to be labeled as a linebacker. Don't call Landon Collins a linebacker. Call him a Buffalo nickel. Call him a drop-down safety. He's not a linebacker, Uh, although he is hurt right now. So Washington on Thursday for a second consecutive day did not conduct a full practice, but did put out an injury report, which was an estimation. Four Washington players were listed as not having been able to practice for a second consecutive day. Running back Antonio Gibson, corner William Jackson III, safety slash linebacker Landon Collins, and edge defender Daniel Wise. So Washington on Sunday night could be without all four of those guys, with Gibson, Jackson, and Collins obviously all being key players. Gibson is dealing with a toe injury that Ron Rivera on Wednesday afternoon said is an injury that's similar to the turf toe injury that plagued Gibson in December 2020. Jackson is dealing with a calf injury. Collins is dealing with a foot injury. Wise is dealing with a knee injury. The other notable Washington player in terms of injury right now is receiver Curtis Samuel. Gee, where have you heard that before? Uh, Samuel was inactive for the loss at the Eagles due to a hamstring injury. He, on Thursday, was estimated to have been a limited participant in practice for a second consecutive day. So we'll see if Samuel on Sunday night can play for what would be just the sixth time in 15 games this regular season. With the Washington football team's COVID-19 outbreak, here are the remaining key players on Washington's reserve COVID-19 list as of early Friday morning. Quarterback Kyle Allen, right guard Brandon Sheriff, center Tyler Larson, corner Kendall Fuller, safety Cameron Curl, linebacker Cole Holcomb. Those are some key players, especially on defense, right? Your top corner this season in Fuller, your top safety this season in Curl, and your top linebacker this season in Holcomb. Now, Holcomb, in addition to being Washington's best linebacker, also is Washington's defensive play caller. Ron Rivera on Thursday on if Holcomb is out for Sunday night at the Cowboys, whether another Washington player will be calling defensive plays. Yes. Yeah. Somebody would most certainly, you know, um, again, we like the guys that, that, that have been practicing, you know, they, they had a good day today. Um, in fact, with the, uh, the number of coaches that were down, um, I had to assume some of the quality control duties and uh, I was actually running the scout team for the, uh, for the defense. So, um, and so I got an opportunity to get up close and even personal and, and listen to those guys and watch them work. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I was really pleased with seeing that. The Scuda Harris, who Ron referenced, is linebacker Dijon Harris. Uh, Dijon Harris is on Washington's practice squad. Washington on Tuesday afternoon elevated Harris from the practice squad to the active roster as a COVID-19 replacement for the loss at the Eagles on Tuesday night. Dijon Harris on Tuesday night did not play on any of Washington's defensive snaps, but did play on special teams. Washington signed Harris to its practice squad this past October. He entered the NFL with the New England Patriots as an undrafted free agent 
out of Arkansas in April 2020. You got to get to know your Washington football team players right now with all of these guys coming and going with the COVID-19 outbreak. So Rod Rivera mentioned a lot of linebackers in that cut that I just played for you. But if Cole Holcomb is out for Sunday night at the Cowboys, will Jamin Davis be the Washington player calling defensive plays? More from Ron on Thursday. Well, he'd be one of the guys that's got an opportunity to fill that role. And, um, you know, again, you know, a lot of things that we do is in the way Jack handles it on defense, it, it, it is about personnel and matching it up and putting the guys out there and trying to put them in the best position. So uh, Jamin will certainly be one of those guys. Uh, David Mayo is another guy that will. Uh, Scooter Harris will get an opportunity to, to play a little bit as well as um, as uh, Jordan Kanasik. I mean, we got four guys that, you know, we feel pretty good about right now um, that are healthy and ready to roll and, you know, obviously, with, with how we're using the sub packages, too, we've got some other guys that'll, that'll play other roles as well. All right. What about Kendall Fuller? Will Kendall Fuller be back for Sunday night at the Cowboys? Ron Rivera on Thursday on if it's possible that Fuller could be cleared in time for the game at the Cowboys. Um, yes, it is. Uh, so we'll have to see um, you know, how he does. He's got a couple more days um, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, the belief is that Kendall Fuller has not been vaccinated for COVID-19, but he has been on the reserve COVID-19 list since Tuesday afternoon, December 14th. So it has been a while. Uh, The mandatory 10-day quarantine period, in theory, is over, and hopefully he will be good to go for Sunday night at the Cowboys. Understand Washington at corner in the loss at the Eagles played Daryl Roberts on every defensive snap in the game for Washington. Uh, Daryl Roberts had not played on any of Washington's defensive snaps in the 2021 regular season, and yet he on Tuesday night played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps with Kendall Fuller on the reserve COVID-19 list and with William Jackson the third in the game suffering that calf injury. You look at safety in the loss at the Eagles. Jeremy Reeves played on 93% of Washington's defensive snaps of having played on just one of Washington's defensive snaps in this 2021 regular season. Washington on Tuesday night at safety had Cameron Curl on the reserve COVID-19 list. Landon Collins in the game dealt with that foot injury. And so a guy in Reeves who, like a guy in Roberts, had barely played, in Roberts' case, had not played at all defensively this season for Washington, out there a lot in the loss at the Eagles on Tuesday night. As for the Cowboys, their stud left tackle, Tyron Smith, did not practice on Thursday for a second consecutive day due to an ankle injury that kept him from playing in the Cowboys' last game, the 21-6 win at the New York Giants last Sunday afternoon. So Washington could be catching a break for Sunday night at the Cowboys in Dallas, potentially being without Tyron Smith. Up next, a comprehensive scouting report on the Cowboys with Cowboys insider David Hellman of DallasCowboys.com, including insight on what is going on with the Cowboys offense. We'll get to that and much more after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, for the second time in three weeks, it is a Dallas week in Washington, D.C. The first game between the two teams did not go well for Washington. That 27-20 loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14 when Cowboys fans took over FedEx Field. What are we to expect this Sunday night with 6-8 and eight Washington at the 10-4 and four and NFC East leading Cowboys at 820? I'm very pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast Cowboys insider David Hellman, of DallasCowboys.com. David, happy holidays. It's nice to have you on. How are you? I'm wonderful. Yeah, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate you coming on. So the Cowboys in Week 16 can clinch the NFC East. There are multiple ways in which Dallas can do that, including with a win over Washington on Sunday night. Now, the Cowboys' defense lately has been outstanding, but the offense remains in this weird sort of purgatory. Uh, Assuming that the Cowboys clinched the division at some point. How are they looking to you as we approach the playoffs? It's a great question, and I think it's, um, I mean, that's the central issue people around this team have been trying to identify for the better part of a month because they're stacking wins. I mean, anybody that's 3-0 and in December is probably feeling pretty good about their trajectory, but there's no denying uh, this team's been struggling to score for more than a month, honestly, probably six or seven weeks with a, with just a couple of exceptions. Um, and I think it's, it's a funny give and take because if you look back at the last few games, including that Washington game, I mean, this is simply a pretty incredible pass rush. And you couple that with a secondary that is doing a wonderful job of taking the ball away. They got 12 over the last three games. I mean, that's a formula that has won plenty of Super Bowls in league history. Uh, so I think that that, that's the type of excitement that you haven't seen around the Dallas defense in more than a decade. Um, And then you look at the firepower that they have on offense and you just wonder if they can put it together. And I think that's the big storyline here is, you know, I guess you don't want to count your chickens before they hatch, but it, it seems like a foregone conclusion that the Cowboys are going to win the NFC East. I mean, it would, it would have to be a lot of things go against them for it to not happen. So really the focus here is, can we fine-tune this offense and get it clicking just a little bit more? Um, Because we just haven't seen that consistency, and I think they would really like to get that going before they get into the playoffs. So with the Cowboys' offense, I know that the offense has dealt with plenty of injuries, and like you said, the Cowboys are winning. I mean, we shouldn't just discount that, but the offense for weeks now has not been as good as we know that it can be. What's your assessment of why the Cowboys' offense is where it is? It's a frustrating question to answer because there, it's not obvious. I, I think it changes by the week. I mean, so really, it's been since about week eight that they've kind of gone into this shell where they haven't really been able to be as explosive as normal. I think 
They've been shuffling their offensive line. Tyron Smith, who was just named to his eighth Pro Bowl, has been in and out of the lineup. They've been trying different combinations at left guard and right tackle. Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard have both dealt with their fair share of injuries, which has contributed to the running game not being as good. Um, and then Dak Prescott and his receivers, I mean, for all the hype, none of them have really put their best foot forward. I mean, it sounds silly to say, but a month ago at this time, Dak was right in the middle of the MVP conversation, and uh, he wasn't even named to the Pro Bowl, just to kind of give you an idea of the type of decline that we've seen from him over the last five weeks. It's definitely, it's not all on him. Like I said, some of that's pass protection. Um, there have been a lot of drops by receivers. CeeDee Lamb stands out. He had a he had a terrible day in New York last week against the Giants with three drops in one game. Um, and and probably throw Kellen Moore in there as well. You know, the Cowboys offensive coordinator. People were kind of pegging him for a future NFL head coach, and, and maybe he still will be, but I think everybody assumed he had one foot out the door back in October, and, and now his offense is looking like it can't come up with with a second pitch, if you will. So um, it's kind of a long-winded answer, but I think every single component of this offense has just been off uh, for the better part of a month. And like I said, I think it would do wonders for everybody's confidence if they can put a couple cleaner performances together in these last three games. We're talking Washington at Dallas with Cowboys insider David Hellman of DallasCowboys.com. So Ezekiel Elliott, he has played in all 14 of the Cowboys games this regular season, and yet Tony Pollard has been the Cowboys' leading rusher in five of the last six games, and Pollard has a yards per carry that blows away Zeke's. Now, Zeke has dealt with this right knee ailment, but who to you is the best running back on the Dallas Cowboys right now? I mean, at this exact moment, well, I think, I think there's a couple ways to answer that. I don't think even people, we talk about it a lot. I still think Zeke is underrated in terms of just being a complete back. And I know pass protection is boring, but he's so damn good at it. I mean, the number of times that Zeke has bought Dak Prescott time to make a big throw or, or throw a touchdown pass to keep a drive going, whatever, he's done it time and time again. He's also been incredibly valuable as a safety net receiver in this passing game. Um, having said all of that right now, and some of it's because of injury for sure, but right now, Tony Pollard is the more dangerous player with the ball in his hands. He's just, he's got more juice. I think Zeke is doing an admirable job of fighting through this knee injury. Um, but there's no doubt it slowed him down. I mean, if you just go look at his splits, the first six weeks of the season, Versus everything since. I mean, it, it's it's obvious the numbers bear it out. Um, so I'm interested to see how they juggle that because I do th- I do think t- Tony is the more dynamic option as a running back, but Zeke brings so much value in the other a- aspects of his game that I don't think you can take all of those touches away. So it's it's been interesting to see how they try to divvy that up. With the Cowboys' defense, I know that it took a while, but the Cowboys this season finally have Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and Randy Gregory all playing together, and the results have been tremendous. I mean, the Cowboys' pass rush wrecked Washington in Washington's home loss to Dallas in Week 14. When's the last time that the Cowboys had a pass-rushing trio like this one of Parsons, Lawrence, and Gregory? Man, I, I to be I couldn't tell you to be honest. I mean, I'm I'm 33, so I'm I'm fairly young, but I've been covering this team for a decade. It certainly hasn't been there in the time that I've been around the team. I mean, they they had some good pass rushers 
in the mid two thousands when Demarcus Ware, Anthony Spencer, Jay Ratliff, maybe even Marcus Spears were doing their thing. Um, but in terms of like the the type of athlete, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence has been an All Pro at least once in his career, and Randy Gregory. He should have been a top five draft pick, if not for a bunch of off the field issues. Like it was never a question of his talent as to why he fell in the draft. And then everybody sees what Micah Parsons been doing as a rookie. I, I mean, just in terms of raw talent, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that it's ever happened or if it has, it was a very, very, very long time ago. I mean, these guys are incredibly fun to watch and and scary as well. Just with the I mean, the speed and violence with which they can affect a, a passing game. Uh, like I said, I've, I've been doing this for 10 years, and I've never seen anything like it from the Cowboys. Is Micah Parsons the best of those three guys? I think he has the potential to be, for sure. I, I And I, I mean, his stats speak for themselves. I certainly think he deserves uh, consideration for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I guess I just hesitate because especially, you know, for Demarcus Lawrence, I think he's been one of the more underrated ends in the league for most of his career. And similar to Zeke, I I don't think he gets credit for the stuff that he does in addition to just rushing the passer. I mean, he's a fantastic run defender. He draws all kinds of chips and double teams that make life easier um, for, for his teammates. But I mean, just turn on the tape and watch Micah. I mean, he can rush the passer like an elite defensive end. He can drop in coverage. He's got 17 tackles for loss as an off ball linebacker. And oh, by the way, he can cover guys 20, 25 yards down the field and make plays on the ball that lead to takeaways. I mean, uh, I've never, me again, I'm sure somebody has, but I've never seen a player like him in my years covering the league. And I mean, it's scary to think that he's just a rookie who's still tapping into his potential. In terms of a concern with the Cowboys defense moving forward, I know that the Cowboys have given up some explosive passing plays this season. Is that the biggest concern with this Cowboys defense right now? And if not, what is the biggest concern with the Cowboys defense down the stretch? That's definitely one of them. Explosive explosive pass plays have been a trend for them all season long. I think part of that is their aggression. I mean, they want to go get the ball. They want to make plays on the ball. And I think they're comfortable opening themselves up for big plays in that regard. It's kind of a give and take. Uh, so that's that's part of it. And then I also think um, if you're bound and determined to run the ball and you have the, you know, if you have the balance and the talent needed to do that, if you've got the offensive line and the back and a quarterback who can keep them honest, I, I do think you can run the ball on this defense. I mean, they've given up some impressive performances on the ground. Um and then, like I said, I mean, a big part of that is not letting them build a lead so that you, you don't have to get one dimensional. Um, so I, th- I think a good team that was committed to doing it could have a lot of success that way because, I mean, the strength of this defense, I think, is their pass rush. I think that opens up everything from it, it makes life easier on the secondary. It leads to more takeaways. Um, so those, the, yeah, explosive pass plays. And then if, if you're really dedicated to it, running the ball, I think are probably the two things to watch. Year two for Mike McCarthy as Cowboys head coach, six and ten last season, ten and four, and on the cusp of an NFC East title this season. It's funny, people take their shots at McCarthy, but the guy has a regular season winning percentage of six oh seven over fifteen seasons as an NFL head coach. What has stood out to you about Mike McCarthy as Cowboys head coach? I think if anything, just 
Number one is I just think he's seen so much in his time in the league. I really I don't think he's easily rattled. Um, I was talking about this the other day. I mean, he's he's coached in this league in every capacity that you can. I mean, he started as a quality control guy, you know, starting at the very bottom of the totem pole in the 90s with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's been a head coach. He's been a failed head coach. I mean, there aren't that many guys who get fired from a head coaching job and then get another opportunity to do it. So good and bad, I just think he's been around the block more than the vast majority of people that have played and coached in this league. And you just kind of, his attention to detail and his mindfulness for um, things that you can only know if you've been doing this for 25, 30 years. And then honestly, probably as well is I think he's, um, and maybe he learned this from, from getting fired and spending a year away from the game, but I feel like he's a little more um, open, I guess, if that makes sense. I think, in my experience, NFL coaches just sort of live in this world where they're wearing blinders. Uh, you know, just as an easy example, I mean, covering Jason Garrett, you all, you sometimes got the feeling like Jason Garrett wouldn't even acknowledge that it was Christmas week. You know, it's, uh, it's week 16 and we've got a game to play and it doesn't matter what else is going on. We're focused on football. Whereas Mike McCarthy is, he is very mindful of that type of stuff. I mean, he's not having his team come in on Saturday until three o'clock in the afternoon, and he's only going to have them here long enough to practice and do the bare minimum and have them back to their families in time for dinner. Uh, And that's, you just don't, uh, you don't expect to hear stuff like that from an NFL head coach. So the way that he kind of acknowledges the variables and the human element has been, uh, it's been different for me and it's been impressive. I got to ask you about Jerry Jones. Washington has an owner in Dan Snyder who rarely, and I mean rarely, speaks publicly. And there are a lot of reasons for that. The Cowboys have an owner in Jerry who is all over the place and speaks publicly constantly. What is it like working for DallasCowboys.com? What is it like writing and talking about the Cowboys with a team owner who's so visible and willing to speak publicly? I mean, there aren't many owners like that in major professional sports. Yeah, I mean, it's a double-edged sword, right? I joke about this with other reporters that cover other teams, and they'll they'll tell me, oh my God, like it's, it's so cool that Jerry talks to y'all as often as he does, and you get all this great material to write about and talk about. And I always say like, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. That's true. But on the flip side, you never know when Jerry's going to talk and you never know what he's going to say. So um, it's almost like being on call in a sense where yeah. maybe with, uh, with <laughs> other teams, you don't really have to worry about that as much. You're just like, okay. Uh, Dan Snyder is going to talk once or twice a year, and that's all we have to worry about. With Jerry, it's two to three times a week. Um, no, but I mean, I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it, and and credit like so much credit to to the Jones family. They really, I think they understand they understand that this is entertainment, um, and they understand that uh, you got to cover all angles of this thing. They give me a lot of leeway to to speak openly and critically about the team if they feel like I need to. I think. They understand that uh, people are only going to trust what you have to say if they think that you're telling the truth. And um, I mean, it's it, it is a full time job. I promise you that. But it's a ton of fun. Well, I guess I mean, I can't imagine having it any other way, even though it definitely can be exhausting at times. Yeah, I wanted to say this. DallasCowboys.com is not some, you know, pom pom waving website. 
for the Cowboys. You get good, comprehensive coverage of the Cowboys on DallasCowboys.com. You don't always get that with team websites. So I wanted to commend you guys for that. I, I appreciate you saying that. Cause, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a weird, weird world we live in with, with team media. And I mean, at the end of the day, we are employed by the team. But um, I mean, I, I put our coverage up against just about anybody in terms of, of getting the real story. And so, yeah, like I said, I appreciate you saying that. Well, I appreciate you coming on very much. David Hellman, Cowboys Insider of DallasCowboys.com. Uh, thanks so much, man. All the best. Thanks a lot for having me on. Anytime. All right, it is that time, the time to rhyme. It is time for Rhyming Keys, as I will rhyme the path to victory for the Washington football team in its game at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football this Sunday night at 8.20. Now, as you likely know by now, these rhymes, they are not meant to be good. Uh, They are simply meant to make a few points. And in fact, I have a saying for this segment. The worse the rhyme, the better the time. And so here we go. Rhyming keys for Washington at Dallas. And because it is Christmas weekend, this is a very special installment of Rhyming Keys. These Rhyming Keys all have a Christmas theme. Yes, who says that we don't get into the Christmas spirit on the Al Galdi podcast? So how does Washington win this game? Let us rhyme the ways with a Christmas flair. Rhyming key number one. This is for the returning Taylor Heineke. Tay-Tay, you lead the way and quarterback the offense like Santa quarterbacks his sleigh. Taylor Heineke, thankfully, will be back as Washington's starting quarterback on Sunday night. This off, of course, him not playing in Washington's last game, the loss at the Philadelphia Eagles on Tuesday night due to being on the reserve COVID-19 list, off which he was activated on Thursday morning. Now, Taylor Heineke's worst game as a Washington quarterback was his last game, which was, yes, the loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14. Heineke was awful in that game. So too was Washington's offense as a whole, but Heineke in that game had a total QBR per ESPN of just 5 Point two Total QBR is on a scale of 0 to 100. It goes without saying that Heineke needs to be much better in this game at the Cowboys on Sunday night than he was in the loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14. But I'll say it anyway. Heineke needs to be much better in this game at the Cowboys on Sunday night than he was in the loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14. And I think that Heineke will be better. A, because it would be hard to be worse. B, because Heineke has displayed an ability to bounce back from bad games. And see, I do think that Heineke may well be rejuvenated for this game. Now, he did struggle in his bout with COVID-19. He talked about that during a Zoom press conference on Thursday afternoon. Heineke had legit symptoms from COVID-19, but he missed the loss at the Eagles. He saw his team fighting in that game. Now he's back to save the day at quarterback in this ultra short week with this massive task of trying to win at the NFC East leading Cowboys on national television the night after Christmas with Washington hanging by a thread in terms of postseason contention. Quite the setup, right? This game to me sets up for a Taylor Heineke thriller. 
This game, to me, sets up for a great game from Tay-Tay. Now, Tay-Tay, the offensive line, and Scott Turner need to do a much better job of handling the Cowboys' pass rush on Sunday night than Tay-Tay, the offensive line, and Scott Turner did in the loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14. Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and Randy Gregory ravaged Washington in that game. So that's a huge key for Sunday night. So too is Washington somehow, some way, getting Terry McLaurin going. As I've been discussing, Terry, over the last four games, having just nine receptions on 19 targets and no touchdowns is inexcusable, even though, yes, there are plenty of reasons for this. I don't know that Washington is going to be able to do its thing of, you know, running the ball 97 times, all right? Antonio Gibson is banged up with the toe injury and may not play. J.D. McKissick is on the reserve injured list. Washington's running game in the loss at the Eagles on Tuesday night looked really bad. If Washington does run the ball well on Sunday night, great. But this game, to me, feels like a Taylor Heineke game. And so rhyming key number one, this for the returning Taylor Heineke. Tay-Tay, you lead the way. And quarterback the offense, like Santa quarterbacks his sleigh. Rhyming key number two for Washington at Dallas. This is for Washington's defense. If you want to make this night after Christmas merry, then bounce back with a great performance in the world of Jerry. Yes, the world of Jerry, as in Jerry World, as in AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Washington's defense in the loss at the Eagles on Tuesday night was bad, really bad. Washington allowed the Eagles to generate 519 total net yards of offense, allowed the Eagles to average 7.4 yards per play, allowed the Eagles to go 7 of 13 on third downs. Now, COVID-19 and injuries had something to do with all of this. Washington's defense was without Kendall Fuller and Cameron Curl due to them being on the reserve COVID-19 list. Tim Settle and James Smith-Williams were off the reserve COVID-19 list, but also were inactive for the game. And William Jackson III, Landon Collins, and Daniel Wise all suffered or dealt with injury during the game. But still, Washington's defense on Tuesday night was bad, and Washington's defensive front got manhandled by the Eagles' offensive line. But Washington's defense had played well in each of the team's previous five games, including the loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14. Washington, for that game, had like no edge defenders due to the start of the team's COVID-19 outbreak. Montez Sweat, James Smith-Williams, and Casey Tuhill were all on the reserve COVID-19 list for that game, in addition, of course, to Chase Young being on the reserve injured list. And yet Washington's defense in that loss to the Cowboys at FedEx Field in Week 14 was responsible for only allowing 20 points, and Washington held the Cowboys to just 7 of 18 on third downs, just 1 of 6 in the red zone, and just 4.1 yards per play. That's the kind of defense that we need to see from Washington on Sunday night. The Cowboys are 10-4 and and have won three consecutive games, but the Cowboys' offense remains in a strange place. Dak Prescott, during this three-game winning streak for the Cowboys, has a yards per pass attempt of just 5.74. That is a microscopic yards per pass attempt. He also, during the three-game winning streak, has just three touchdown passes versus three interceptions and has been sacked eight times. It's definitely concerning that Washington on Wednesday placed its best linebacker, Cole Holcomb, on the reserve COVID-19 list. And if Washington is without him, is without 
William Jackson III as he deals with this calf injury and is again without Kendall Fuller and Cameron Curl due to them being on the reserve COVID-19 list, then Sunday night could get ugly. That is true. But if Washington has one or more of those guys on Sunday night, and if the defensive line bounces back from its bad performance in the loss at the Eagles, then yes, Washington can win at the Cowboys on Sunday night. Rhyming key number two, this for Washington's defense. If you want to make this night after Christmas merry, then bounce back with a great performance in the world of Jerry. And rhyming key number three for Washington at Dallas. This is for the entire Washington football team. Be a Grinch and don't let the Cowboys clinch. There are multiple scenarios in which the Cowboys can clinch the NFC East in Week 16. One of those scenarios is the Cowboys simply defeating Washington. While the Cowboys winning the NFC East this season does seem inevitable at this point, would it not be wonderful if Washington delayed that inevitability, that clinching by at least a week? Would it not be wonderful if Washington furthered the Cowboys' offensive woes and concerns by stifling the Dak attack on Sunday night? Would it not be wonderful if Washington raised even more questions about how good running back Ezekiel Elliott is at this point in his career by stuffing him? Would it not be wonderful if Taylor Heineke pulled off a Colt McCoy and quarterbacked an upset win for Washington at the Cowboys in a nationally televised primetime game? Yes, all of those things would be wonderful. It would be a wonderful Christmas a day later. Rhyming key number three, this for the entire Washington football team, be a Grinch and don't let the Cowboys clinch. All right, it is prediction time. The line for Washington at Dallas per win bet as of very early Friday morning, as of very early Christmas Eve morning, is Washington plus 10 and a half. Wow, (laughs) that is some number. I don't know if Washington will win this game, but I do think that Washington will keep the game close. I said, I do think that Washington will keep the game close. It means you're close. Yes, Brucifer, exactly. By the way, Merry Christmas to Brucey and his emails. But as for my pick and my prediction, give me Washington plus the points. And if you're going to take a team plus the points, you might as well take them to win. Taylor Heineke quarterbacks a Christmas miracle. Washington 24, Dallas 20. Well, it had been a while since the Wizards had played a game, but they played on Thursday night and they won. The Wizards improved to 17 and 15 with a 124-117 win at the New York Knicks. Uh, This was the Wizards' first game since the 109-103 win at the Utah Jazz this past Saturday night as the Wizards game at the Brooklyn Nets for this past Tuesday night was postponed due to Nets players and staff members entering the NBA's 
health and safety protocols. Uh, Thursday night's win for the Wizards at the Knicks also was a game in which the Wizards were missing a number of key players. The Wizards were without Bradley Beal due to him having entered the NBA's health and safety protocols on Thursday afternoon. We found out about no Beal just hours before this game at the Knicks. Remember, Bradley Beal is not vaccinated for COVID-19, although we don't know that that's the reason that he has entered the NBA's health and safety protocols. But no Bradley Beal for the Wizards on Thursday night. More on that in a bit. The Wizards also were without Contavious Caldwell Pope on Thursday night due to him having entered the NBA's health and safety protocols. We learned of that on Wednesday. The Wizards remained without Rui Hachimura, who has yet to play this season due to personal reasons, although he apparently now finally is close to playing. Rui did dress for this game and was listed as questionable for it, and the Wizards remained without Thomas Bryant, who has yet to play this season due to a partially torn left ACL that was suffered last January. So the Wizards were without four guys who, if all available, might be starters, right? In Beal, KCP, Rui, and Bryant. And yet the Wizards won. And how about this? The Wizards improved to 4-0 and without Bradley Beal this season. Yeah, the Wizards now are 4-0 and this season without their franchise player, without their max contract extension player, who, by the way, as far as we know, still has not given the Wizards a formal response as to whether he'll be accepting their latest max contract extension offer from this past October. Uh, You know, this has been a strange season for the Wizards with Beal. A, Beal has not had a great season by his standards. B, the Wizards, as mentioned, now are 4-0 without Beal this season. And C, Beal is one of the few NBA players who isn't vaccinated for COVID-19. The NBA has a very high player vaccination rate for COVID-19. And thus, Bradley Beal is more susceptible to entering the NBA's health and safety protocols and not being available to the Wizards. Look, I'm not here to lecture about whether Beal should be vaccinated for COVID-19. I'm just looking at this from a basketball standpoint. Him not being vaccinated for COVID-19 lessens the likelihood of availability for this season, given the NBA's health and safety protocols. And maybe this is coincidence, but I tend to think not. But Spencer Dinwiddie on Thursday night had his best game in weeks. Yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie, who, as we've talked about on the podcast, has been mired in some kind of rut. He, in this game on Thursday night, a game in which the Wizards were sans Beal, had Dinwiddie's best game in weeks. Head coach Wes Unsell Jr. has talked about Beal and Dinwiddie having to get on the same page. Well, Dinwiddie had the page all to himself on Thursday night. He was terrific. Spencer Dinwiddie went three of seven on threes and four of seven on twos. Now, he did also go just four of 10 on free throws, but Dinwiddie finished with 21 points, 12 assists versus two turnovers, and seven rebounds in 35 minutes, 57 seconds as a starter. Understand the extent to which Dinwiddie had been struggling. Dinwiddie, over eight games in this month of December, had gotten just four of 27 on threes and had totaled just 54 points, just 54 points over eight games, 6.75 points per game. He on Thursday night in this win at the Knicks, again, 21 points, 12 assists versus two turnovers and seven rebounds. Here was Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Thursday night on Dinwiddie being aggressive, as Wes 
has wanted Dinwiddie to be and how Wes can get Dinwiddie to be this aggressive when Beal plays? Well, I think it's just a constant conversation. Uh, myself and him, um, Brad and him. It's just, you know, it's going to be all three of us trying to, you know, figure the best way to do it. But, you know, it's there. And we, we know we have it. They, they've shown at times to be able to do it, you know, on the floor. You can look at the, you know, the numbers and say, well, you know, one produces a lot more when the other one's not there. But that doesn't have, that really, to me, has nothing to do with the level of aggression. Um, whether the guy makes shots, okay. But I think there's a way that, you know, we can kind of get both. Uh, and find that middle ground where both guys are aggressive. And, um, you know, whether it's to play, make, or score, I think that's what we need. Yes, it is what you need. Uh, I tell you, the Wizards' offense in this win at the Knicks on Thursday night was outstanding. The Wizards scored 124 points. The Wizards went 16 of 37 on threes. The Wizards went 26 of 38 on twos. The Wizards had 30 assists versus 11 turnovers. Now, the Wizards did a good job defensively, with the exception of how they defended one player, Kemba Walker. Uh, Kemba Walker went off on Thursday night. Kemba went 7 of 14 on threes and 7 of 13 on twos. He finished with 44 points, 9 rebounds, and 8 assists versus no turnovers in exactly 43 minutes as a starter. So Kemba had himself a night. Uh, He can have himself nights. Kemba's like that. But the Wizards held the rest of the Knicks to just 6 of 28 on threes. So I don't know that you could say that this was a very good game for the Wizards defensively, but it was one story with Kemba and a much different story with every other player on the Knicks, who, by the way, are without Derrick Rose. He just underwent right ankle surgery. Uh, Also, the Wizards did have some rebounding issues. The Wizards won despite having just five offensive rebounds to the Knicks 14 and just seven second chance points to the next 19. But the Wizards got great play from two non-usual starters with both Bradley Beal and Contavious Caldwell-Pope out. Corey Kispert and Aaron Holiday. Corey Kispert, who really has not done much this season, really hasn't played that much. Wizards took him with the number 15 pick in the 2021 NBA draft out of Gonzaga. He on Thursday night in 32 minutes, 30 seconds as a starter, went four of five on threes, finished with 20 points and three assists, versus one turnover. Great to see this from Kispert. He's making his first career NBA regular season start in a game at Madison Square Garden, and he responded. Awesome job. And then Aaron Holiday in 28 minutes, 24 seconds as a starter, four of seven on threes. He finished with 16 points, five assists versus one turnover and three rebounds. Also, Kyle Kuzma. So he went just two of eight on threes, but he also went five of eight on twos, finished with 18 points, 10 rebounds, two assists versus two turnovers, and a game best plus minus rating of plus 17 in 32-33 as a starter. And while Kuzma went just two of eight on threes, he hit two big threes in the fourth quarter. Kuzma in a fourth quarter that the Wizards won 34-31, went two of four on threes, and scored 10 points. Uh, the Wizards also got production off their bench from Denny Avdia and Montrez Harrell. Uh, Avdia in 28-47 off the bench. Went just one of four on threes, but also four of four on twos. Finished with 14 points, five rebounds, two assists versus two turnovers, and three blocks. West had Avdia defending Kemba Walker uh, to try to slow Kemba down. And Montrez Harrell in 2206 off the bench, had 15 points on six of seven shooting, all twos, four rebounds, and two assists 
versus no turnovers. Really nice win for the Wizards, given all of their absences. More from Wes Jr. during his postgame press conference on Thursday night. I thought it was a great team win. Um, you know, I thought the offense, um, offensively, we had a good flow, good rhythm. You know, we had 30 assists, so the ball was moving. Uh, I think shot 50-plus from the three, uh, excuse me, from the field, 43 from three. We were able to put together three 30-plus point quarters, which is it's, it's, it's a great sign. Um, you know, that, that our cutting, our movement, uh, our spacing uh, was correct, and we had the willingness to try to make the right play time and time again. You know, defensively, um, you know, Kimba got it going early in the, in the probably middle of the second quarter uh, through the half, um, finished the half with 28. You know, he, he knows once a guy like that gets going, it's really tough to, uh, you know, kind of extinguish his energy. Um, but did a better job second half. Uh, but still, he had a heck of a night. Yes, he did. But the Wizards won, and the Wizards now have won two consecutive games since the 5-12 and slump that followed the 10-3 and start to the season. Next up for the Wizards, home to the Philadelphia 76ers, Sunday evening at 6. All right, that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Monday show, episode 215, will be a special Washington football team postgame show installment of the pod off whatever happens for Washington in its game at the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. In-depth reaction and analysis, the likes of which you will not get anywhere else. All out just hours after the game. All out very early Monday morning. I'll also discuss the rest of the D.C. sports weekend, although it's not exactly a jam-packed weekend. Uh, No games for the Capitals. No games for Maryland, Georgetown, Virginia, and Virginia Tech basketball. We will have, or at least are scheduled to have, uh, the Wizards home to the Philadelphia 76ers Sunday evening at 6. Have a great weekend. Have a Merry Christmas. And I'll talk to you on Monday. How do you like me now? How do you like me now?